Rosemary Kariuki won the Australian of the Year Local Hero Award in 2021 for her incredible work with the New South Wales Police in helping and supporting immigrants and refugees. Escaping conflict in her home country of Kenya, Rosemary came to Australia with only $250 in her pocket and a remarkable faith in God's provision. Her faith, tenacity and her love for people have led her to be a voice for immigrants, especially for women suffering from domestic abuse. Rosemary welcomed me into her home where we spoke about her own experiences of domestic abuse in her first marriage, the richness that immigrants have brought to this country and her insights into where the church could be a greater help to immigrants and refugees. I'm Carl Fays and this is my interview with Rosemary Kariuki. Rosemary, in 2021, you won the Local Hero Australian of the Year. What was that like to win that? Wow, I didn't expect to win 2021 Australian Local Hero, but when they announced my name, I was just imagining in my head all things were going on around my my And I'm honoured to have it because the other people are so powerful. They had they have done a lot of things. But I was, I, I was happy to receive it, but at that moment, I didn't even know what it means. <laughs> but when I received it and I gave my speech and I'm coming back to my seat, everything is going around my head. And when I sat down, I said a small prayer. And I, I said, there are two things I did. The first one was a prayer. And the prayer was, God, use, this, use these awards for your name to be known. Let people not see me, but let them see you in this award. Then my second thing I thought, that was not a prayer. I, I, my mom is blind now. And I said, my mom is sad she can't see my award. Mm. And I don't even think she can understand what it is. Because if she sees, she can maybe understand. But I, that, at that moment, I felt very teary. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You just said it about saying a prayer as you sat down. So how did Christian faith become a part of your life? I was the first person to go to church in my family, and my father had two wives, and we were 16 children. And it's my cousin, who is like my surrogate brother, because my, my mom and dad brought him up. Uh, his wife, when he married wife, was staying with us because he was still in college, and he was going to the Catholic church, and I started going with her because she became my best friend. And through that, that's how I, be, I, I, I became a Catholic. Then my mom, when my dad died, she joined the Catholic Church, and half of my family, they go to Presbyterian Church, and half of my family goes to Catholic. But we all celebrate each other's churches. In, in your time in Kenya, you actually had a situation of domestic violence. That must have been really difficult for you. I had a very bad domestic violence, but... I didn't know it was domestic violence until I came here and started working with the police. And when they said emotional abuse, psychological abuse, I could see one by one, one all the abuse I went through. Can you imagine somebody telling you, you why are you laughing? Or why are you sleeping so much? Or why I don't want anybody to come and visit you. Can you imagine people not coming to visit me and how I love people? So, uh, through this, I really went through bad, uh, but I didn't know it was domestic violence. And I didn't leave until he kicked me out. Right. I could have been there. So when I came out, I always say it's God who saw my heart and saved me from that to be independent. Why come to Australia and how did you come to Australia? 
I came to Australia in 1999 and I was running away from the tribal crashes in my town, especially in Eldoret, which was very bad. And I was just running and I came to the farthest place in the world and ways farthest apart from Australia. That's how I found myself here. And I always thank God. One thing I used to pray, and, and I want to say this because prayer, faith in me is very strong. I used to pray God when I decided I want to go out to another country. I, I used to say, God, choose for me. You know me. Choose for me the country which I'll fit in. And living in Australia, that's exactly what God gives me. And that shows me whatever you ask God, he gives it to you. Yeah. What was it like when you first arrived? What was it like landing and arriving in Australia? <laughs> when we were coming, I remember our plane for some reason. It was supposed to stop only two places. It stopped five times. So when I arrived, it was 9 p.m., and my plan was when I I'll go to a taxi and ask taxi to make, to take me to a, the cheapest motel, and then from there, then the following day it will be daytime and it will be me and that time. And I knew something will happen. And still, that is my faith. I knew, I knew, I didn't have any fear that I will, I will, I will be able to live in this country. And I knew I will not have any issues. And I'm telling you, I had never had any issues. Even the first day I, I arrived in this country. What help did you get? When I was standing, I have come out with my, my luggages. And in these luggages, I had some gifts. Because I knew I'm going to make friends. So I bought $50. Because I had $300 and $50. I bought some gifts. So in my pocket, I had $250. So when I'm standing there, I'm looking for bearing. So that I can see where people are going. And I'll know where the taxis are that side. Because that was my second time to enter a, a, a plane. I never used, so I, I'm, I'm just like a bombard. But when I was standing there, I saw this Ethiopian lady. I call her my Aussie mom. Her name is Meskirim. And I just went and I said, two minutes, I told her, oh, my problem, you take me or you leave me. And for sure, she took me in. So you had $350 to your name? $300, but $50 I bought gifts. Yeah. So I had $250 in my pocket. That's remarkable, isn't it? What, what did you then go on to do? So when we, now when I came to Carlton, my friend gave me everything, food, accommodation, and she used to take me around. Me, I'm thinking, my children have left my children home. I have to pay their fees. So my mind is, how do I get a job? And I had no idea even about refugees. I didn't know about everything. So I used to ask people out. I was run, I, I ran from my country and I and my children are at home and blah blah blah. And through that I, I, I knew about and I put asylum seekers. I and I was looking for a church. She didn't even know where the church was. So every day I would go a bit, then another bit until I saw a sign of a church. And I started going to that church and I told the priest there, I'm uh, I am looking for a place to stay. And for sure she he sent me to uh, Lewisham, and they did an interview for me. There is a center there for Venice, and they gave me a place in Randwick, and I moved to Randwick. Wow. Yes. How did you, you now have an ongoing work with other people who are immigrating to Australia. Yes. How did that work start? So, as you heard, I came from a very big, large uh, family. It, I was very lonely. And I was living in this unit of 15, 15 units in Randwick, and no one was talking to me. And I kept asking, why are you not talking to me? Is there anything wrong with me? I'm asking myself. And uh, I, I had bought these cards. 
uh, to send during Christmas time to my family, which I never ended up sending. So I thought, what do I do with these cards? And I said, oh, I'm going to send to these people who don't talk to me. And I took the cards and I'll say, unit number one, my name is Rosemary Karaoke. I live in number seven and I want you to be speaking to me. And my number is this. And I wrote unit number two up to you. Unit number 15, mine was unit number 13. And I went at mid, before midnight, maybe half past, I put all those cards under the doors. And the following day, everybody was talking to me. And they started talking to me. They started inviting me to their homes. I invited them and they started asking me. And everybody started talking to me. Wow, wow. And, that, yes. and, and that's just uh, So grown? from there, uh, for me, I hate self-pity. I always, I don't like have that feeling. So I saw, and I'm going to church. So I saw in the church, in the pamphlet, they were looking for people to go and volunteer in the nursing home, visiting lonely people. Mm. And I just laughed and I said, what a good way, a lonely person going to visit another lonely person. And I started volunteering in the little poor sisters, in the little sisters of the poor in Randwick. Mm. And I volunteered in that for three years. Yep. And I left that because they were, they were dying, they were dying. Then when the third one died, I told my coordinator, can you get me somebody who is not dying? And she just said, Rosemary, we give you the one, everyone here is dying, but we give you the one going because you make them happy. They die when they are happy. And I said, I think I have done my time because they become like my relatives now. Yeah. Then they go, they started affecting me and I stopped that. I started now looking for the Africans. Mm. And at that time, there were no Africans. So I started asking everyone, where, do, where are the Africans? I want to get in contact with, especially Randwick. There were only two Africans. Mm. One South African and the other one was Zambian. And I met them, you know, at the bus stop. So that's how I then eventually I, I, I got connected with the Africans and I was elected the women representative. And that's when I started now volunteering with the women. So it took me six years to get my visa, uh, my PR. And by the, so when I, to get the PR, I had to go out of the country. So when I came back, I had lost my job. Mm. And thank God I lost that job because that's, that's how I ended up working with the police. Yeah. And I got this job because I used to volunteer. At that time is when they, a lot of the Sudanese were coming, a lot of uh, Sierra Leoneans, and a lot of Liberians. So that is the time. Uh, the, that is the time they were looking for somebody to work with them. Mm. And that's how I got the job. What, what were you doing as you worked with the New South Wales Police? My role with the New South Wales Police and my title is Multicultural Community Liaison Officer. And my role is to connect the community. And the community is the migrants, the refugees, and the asylum seekers. You know where we come from, all of us, we fear the blue uniform. Mm. And we want, the police wants them not to fear them, to build the trust. To, I, I am the bridger, I bridge the police and the community. I go out there and see where the community is living and what are their issues. I take the police to celebrate their, their national days, for example, the Deepavali, the Chinese New Year. We have dinners, with iftar dinners with the Muslim when they are fasting. Uh, and we go for many Christmas parties. And through police coming and engaging with the community, that's when we break all those barriers. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media.
Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. In a lot of cultures, you said the blue uniform is something to be feared. Was that the case for you? Did Can you have I to get past you? that? In my home, there's uh, we, we, to, to a shortcut used to pass through the police or the police line for you to go to the town, and I better use the longest than going through that shortcut. I never, I feared the police, and even the person who told me about this job, I said, "There's no way I can ever work with the police," and I said, "I'm not going to work with the police," and she kept on saying, "Rosemary, this is the job you do. Everything you are doing is police work." But this one, you'll be paid. And I said, no. but because she, I really liked her, she, she helped me do the, my resume. I gave her my resume, and she helped me make it nicely. And I, 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 I gave my resume the last day, the course yeah. of the year, yeah. and I got the job. But I love it. I always say that's why it's good I lost my job, because I love uh, doing what I do. Because when I see a woman cry, coming to me crying, and down the line, I meet her in the street laughing and dancing. It makes me stronger to keep on supporting the women going through domestic violence. I was going to say, what are the, what's the main reason you see them crying? Is, is the main issue domestic violence? It, yeah, that is the main issue. The other issues, but the main one is domestic violence because of control. They are not allowed to talk to their friends. They are, they, they, their husbands, uh, they take their passports. They don't have any money on them. Some of them are refused to work. They cannot even go to the shops by themselves. One was telling me one day they went to the shop with the husband and she didn't have a phone. And then you know how there are so many people in the shopping center, she, they, they lost each other. And she didn't even know where they lived. She didn't even have a phone number. Mm. So she just sat there. Oh. Eventually she saw the husband looking for her. Can you imagine today's life? Yeah. It's people going through such a thing. Is the, is the controlling nature of the husbands, is, the, is that a cultural thing or is that just those men? It's both. It's both. Uh, it's, it's, it's culturally, there's nobody who wants to hurt the other person. But their cultures were patriarchal and they have seen their parents and their grandparents doing it. So it's normal to them. Mm. No more. Even the wives themselves, they don't know it's domestic violence. Mm. Mm. They just don't like that, but they, 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 they don't know it's domestic violence. And it's control and power. Mm. Just to, and because home, the men are the breadwinners, they are the ones who say, you can't question a man. Mm. And not, I'm not talking of now everyone, but there are some cultures, women don't have a say. And some cultures even where the women have a say, the men, they're just power. They just want to show they are the the, the, the chook in the house. Yeah. And because when they come here, the, the women uh, get information quicker than the men, 
And then because they get, let's say they get money quicker, let's say, even if it is, let's say, Centrelink money, so the men feel very power, powerless, mm. that the, their control is taken. And a lot of domestic violence also come from that. What are the other issues that, you know, your experience of coming to Australia as an immigrant from um, Africa, what are the sort of issues that immigrants face as they come to this country? The, the issues that the migrants and the refugees face in this country is acceptance of the people in this country. When, when, when they see us coming, the first thing is they're coming to take from us. But we are running, especially a refugee, a refugee didn't choose to come to Australia. It's the, the condition which made them to be here. Migrants, yes, they chose to be here. But even if they come here, they came to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. You can imagine the culture. You walk in the streets and got, get an Indian restaurant, you get a Chinese restaurant. Can you imagine if there was not that or that beauty? So a, a, a language is a big issue. They don't have, we don't have services where we come from, so we don't know their services here. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of uh, housing issues because most of us have big families and Centrelink give you maybe a two bedroom and you have five, six children. Mm. So unemployment, employment is a very, very big thing. You come here as an engineer and you can't get a job. So, so we have a lot of uh, knowledge, we have a lot of, but we don't tap into it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, you, when you came here to Australia, you then married. Uh, it didn't have a good outcome from a health perspective. What happened there? I divorced from my first husband when my children were very young. It was a very abusive relationship. I can see it was not a marriage, but I stayed in the marriage because community expects me to stay mm, there. Mm. And, but for me, I just survived because if I can not break this rock, I look for another easier way. So I stayed in the marriage. And, but I, I, I divorced when my children were very young. So. And because it was a very abusive relationship, even to my children, I didn't want to do a, a, a relationship. I said I'll never get married until my children are on their own two feet. And yes, when they came here, uh, I, from the time I divorced and the time I got married was 19 years. Mm -hmm. And not long ago, the, my husband got sick. And I was so angry with God at that particular time. I was saying, how can you do this to me? How can you, I used to talk to God, like I was so angry with him. Because he knew, he knows everything. Why did you do this to me? And I remember when my husband got sick, because we got sick after three years, uh, I used to go to, like on Sunday, I'll go and pick him, we go to church, we come home, we have lunch, then I'll take him back uh, where he was staying, because we couldn't leave him by himself. Mm -hmm. Then, he, one day on a Sunday, we came from church, he came, he sat here and I sat here and we finished dinner and from lunch and from nowhere he looked at me and he told me, Rosemary, you know, I don't deserve you, but God gave you to me so that you can look after me. Mm. And, and that was God answering me because I was very, very angry. And at that time is when I knew God wanted me to look after him. He was an only child. Yes, he has two children, but one was in England, another one was here and was not feeling well. He didn't have any other family. And for sure, I looked after him for three years. And it was very trying. I was there. But I, I, I stopped getting angry because God talked to me through him. And that was the last time he 
could speak a proper, like, make a sentence. Okay. Yeah. And now you, you, you'd miss him terribly, but how are you feeling about that now, losing your second husband? It was very sad and I was thinking, God, why are you doing this to me? I have a lot of love to give. Why can't you give me a man to love and you keep him? I said, maybe when I was praying for a man because I prayed for him, maybe I didn't put part, I want him for life. And maybe <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> but I was not ready, like I've not been ready because, but now I think I'm ready. All this, for the last five years, I didn't feel I would want another relationship. But for me, I, I, I can't live by myself. I don't like being alone. So I know down the line, I'll get a friend. I do, and I, I'm, I haven't started praying for sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know whether really I'm ready. But I'm wondering, I'm very sure I will not grow old by myself. That one I'm clear. Yeah. How yes. has the Christian church in Australia helped those who are new immigrants? Has that happened? Has the Christian church been a, a, a positive influence? The, the, the church is very different from our churches back home. And for me, I find they're very official. Mm. They haven't come to the level of understanding what people are going through, and they don't deal with that. Mm. Because even when I, I was at Venice, and I don't think they really helped me how I wanted to be helped, mm. Mm. what I know today. And Food is not everything. They'll give you food, they'll give you money. That's give somebody information. Mm. Give somebody guidance. Find out how are they feeling. Nobody asks you that question, how are you feeling? How are you, what do you want? They don't ask that question. Mm. So I would, say, I would like the Christian churches to, 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 to go to the level of a human being. Yeah. So, Rajni, what gives you satisfaction in what you do? What gives me satisfaction and what makes me keep on going is seeing these women, they come to me when they are crying, when they have lost hope, and down the line they come dancing to me, they see me on the road, they come running and they do around and the, the face lights up. That's what keeps me going. When I remember that girl who came, she was tiny. She cannot even talk. She's crying. And now she's telling me, Rosemary, I got a job. And she's swinging. <laughs> she doesn't care. She's in the streets. And another thing, let me read for you something which makes me keep on going. This I was sent by this girl I, I helped. It says, and I got this message when I got my award. Rosemary, you deserve, you deserve it, Rosemary. I can't express my gratitude and appreciation. I was homeless. You gave me shelter, fed me, gave me hope and inspiration. When I was completely down, you put a smile back in me, challenged me, and gave me a reason to carry on. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. In all of that, does your Christian faith influence what you do? It's my Christian faith because when I, some cases are very, very strong, very hard, very difficult, I pray over them. 
I pray and I say, God, sometimes I don't have answers. I always tell God, God, we have another job. No, <laughs> tell me what we're going to do. And I leave it with him. And I'm telling you down the line, he gives me an answer. Wow. Most, a lot of times I do that. Because not only with, not only women, even other people, they come to me for different things. And sometimes I don't know what to do. I always say, God, I've given this. You see, we have got another job. Tell me how I'm going to deal with that. Mm. And I don't think about it. And when I'm doing my other things, the answer just comes like this. Wow. <laughs> Which is interesting because most people think of people acting like that when they do a job within a church. But you're working with the New South Wales Police and that's, that, that speaks into your, your life and your work. Yeah. And even when I thank, I, when I, I said, I thank God for me, even giving me that energy to do what I'm doing. Yesterday, at, I, was in, I was in Tasmania. And in the evening, like, now I'm here. I'm, after this, I have another interview I'm doing. And I, at eight, I'm going to pick my grandson. I live with my grandson. But I have that energy. My son keeps on telling me, Mom, where do you get this energy from? Can you give me a quarter of it? I say, it comes from above. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. Rosemary, uh, what do you think immigrants have brought to this country? The migrants have brought a lot to this country. They, start with food you you walk along the street you get the Chinese if you want to eat Thai in fact we ask with my friends what do you want to eat do you want Thai or you want Indian or you want whatever and even you go to those restaurants who are full there they're Australians who are born here and I always give an example of rice rice is white which where everyone eats but when the Indians came when other people came it became pilau or biryani. It was put spices. And that's what the multicultural, when they come, this culture, this culture, we all mixed up and we become biryani. And what I like today, before the Australians, we call them Aussies, they, I think they were scared because they didn't know. And they read in the, in the newspaper, what they read is what they believe in, that all oh, these people are coming to check from us. But once they make a relationship with somebody, then they realize the rich hmm. they bring to this country or even their their people down to earth and some when they share their stories and they hear the journey they have gone through they just open their hearts hmm. i do a program called cultural exchange program where i take women of different cultural backgrounds to the countryside where they live for three days with australians and by the time they are coming back the australians they're saying I have never opened a door to somebody I don't know. Mm -hmm. And this was an experience I can never exchange for nothing. The women themselves too, they said, I have been to an Aussie home. Because our culture is many of migrant cultures. If I come, you are my friend and you don't invite me to your home, means you have never accepted me. Mm -hmm. So migrants have brought a lot. And also I tell migrants too, invite the Aussies also to come and test your your happy life. We like dancing, we like talking, come and, yeah, like this house of mine, you, like you come on Friday, I have an Aussie coming, I have a, a South African, I have an Aboriginal, I have, we sit on this table, everybody from different cultures, and we are talking one language of love. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Rajmi, this series is called Faith Runs Deep. How do you see faith running deep in this nation? Uh, faith in this country 
for me personally, with my, my own seeing with my glasses, is the people who have faith, they have faith. And they practice it. And they are deep. The people who don't have faith, yes, they are majority, but they are being held by these ones who believe in. Because the ones who believe in it, they practice it, and they, there's nothing which you cannot remove it because it's deep. Mm. So, and I always say, let's keep, the one who have faith, let's keep that faith and continue with it because it, to, for it to reflect to the ones who don't have that faith. I remember I used to live with this a friend of mine. We were sharing accommodation. He, was, he had never gone to church, he was not a Christian. But he used to SMS me on a Sunday morning, Rosemary, can you wake up and go to church? I don't want God to ask me why I didn't wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> because he had seen something yeah. about God. And I'm a big believer, I don't tell people come to my church, but I talk about my God. Yeah. I talk when I'm cooking, when I'm talking, I, I, every time I talk about my God. And then they realized, I want to know this God. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.